0: voice of fintech
1: welcome to voice of fintech asia pacific series as in voice of fintech podcast so far here you will hear inspirational stories of entrepreneurs corporate innovators investors ecosystem hub leaders from or close to the world of fintech asia pacific series will be hosted by amazing hosts based in the region speaking to the leaders from asia pacific here is another one hosted by angela
2: Hi, I'm Angela, co-founder and CEO of Nataram, and today's host for Voice of Fintech Asia Pacific. Today, we have with us Nikki Ramsey. She's the founder and CEO of CardUp, one of Singapore's most exciting fintechs. She's come from a very strong corporate background, and today we're going to talk through her journey. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for joining. Hi, Angela. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hosting me today. No worries. Lovely to have you on board. So I first met Nikki many, many years ago when I was starting on my startup journey, and it's been amazing to see how far CardUp has come in this time. But Nikki, we'd like to start stories from the beginning. So, tell us a little bit about your life before the startup. Um,
0: so, before co- CardUp, I was in corporate. So, this is my first venture. Um, I started my career in sort of strategy consulting, so fairly um, broad um, uh, range of work and projects. And um, then I moved into the payment space with American Express. And after you know several different roles within the organisation, as well as uh, some geographical moves, um, I started with the business in. In London and, and had a sort of European remit and then about 10 years ago I moved out to Asia Pacific um, and specifically Singapore and then worked across the region from sort of Japan all the way down to Australia in, in a variety of roles and I think after some time got the idea for Card Up but also increasingly felt this sort of entrepreneurial itch uh, which I which I've had for many years and really felt it was the right
2: time to jump ship and start my own company. The entrepreneurial itch. I love how you, how you put that. <laughs> I think everyone sort of um, feels that's kind of a blessing and a curse a lot of the time. So you you were very familiar with the payment space and from your very broad background across a variety of roles and a variety of regions, what was it about this problem or this particular area that really drew you into wanting to start Card Up?
0: I I'd had a lot of different sort of business ideas in the past and sort of dabbled on thing, with things on the sides. But I think the reason Card Up really sort of stuck with me is because I knew the industry and I knew that the sector and I I saw it as a very big opportunity for the banks and the and the card issuers which was the fact that you know whilst in many developed markets credit cards are you know the most popular payment choice because they come with many benefits whether that's the credit line or or the rewards or rebates that you get from spending on the card but yet there was restrictions in terms of places where cards could be used and particularly in b2b payments you know even in markets like singapore five years ago we were still seeing check payments right being used um, between a, a vendor and a supplier and so i really felt that um this was a big opportunity to create, uh, to solve this problem using technology. And, um, and because, I, because I had the experience and the background from the industry, I, I kind of felt like I'm probably as good a as person as, as any to try and crack this and solve it. And so that kind of gave me the conviction to, to start up.
2: Excellent. So you definitely knew the ins and the outs of the credit card game well before you dove into CardUp. Was there a specific light bulb moment that you remember that made you take this leap of faith, or was it kind of just a culmination or accumulation of, of a lot of different experiences? It
0: was, it was really the latter. Um, it was many different experiences and probably also really, you know, the right time for me personally. And I think, you know, that that's a huge factor. You know, I don't know. I don't know for you if you felt the same when, you, you know, you also set up your own companies so that went down the entrepreneurial path. But, you know, I do think there's a number of factors. And I think as I said, for me, just in terms of sort of where I was in my life stage and wanting to do something new and different, and also wanting to get back into something where I was building products and being more hands-on, I think you know, obviously in a bigger company, when you get to a certain level, it's much more around management, whether that's sort of managing up or managing down with you know managing a team. And I, you know, I really wanted to kind of get back into solving problems and building pro- products.
2: Excellent. Well, I think um, you've certainly got <laughs> certainly got your fill of that and then some. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe let's talk about some of the steps you took before quitting your full-time role to start Card Up. How, what kind of preparations did you make to, to really make the dream become a reality?
0: I mean, a, a lot of sort of research on the space, understanding market opportunity, of course, market sizing, you know, building basic financial forecasts, um, to, talking to customers, ensuring that the right partnerships could be in place and a, a lot of the sort of just groundwork to really flesh out the idea and validate some of my assumptions but to be honest I mean I was also working full-time and I and I you know I am a believer that if you're going to go and do a company you need to kind of and, and you want to build it at, you want to do things quickly and, and, and at speed then you do need to be focused on it full-time and so I think a lot of that was really still fairly exploratory it wasn't really until I left that you know I actually started building and and you know, the idea or reality
2: so getting rid of one of that those safety nets really was kind of a catalyst to really you know hit the rocket kind of launcher is that fair to say
0: yes and yeah I think that's fair to say and, and also just um I think more than anything it's kind of your, your own mental model being comfortable with the risk that you're about to take and I think once you kind of get over that hump then really you know it's much easier uh, I think that's probably more than more than validating the the market or the idea I think that was probably the bigger piece for me just making sure that sort of I had mentally I was you know convinced and ready and willing to take that risk. I mean, you're jumping from a pretty stable, you know, corporate job and salary into a blank canvas where, you know, you need to go out and get funding and 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 all the risk that comes <laughs> with that. So I think for me, it's like that That was the biggest adjustment. And, and, and as soon as I was comfortable with that, then from there, it was a pretty easy decision.
2: Excellent. So it becomes more a leap of, less a leap of faith and more of a kind of a, you know, recognized, well-thought-out decision. So I guess let's talk a bit about, in general, about the fintech industry. I guess fintech in general is full of a lot of rhetoric around like the us versus them mentality. It's like the fintech, like the challenges and the established banks, the established players. But you and CardUp have taken a very different approach. Could you tell us a bit about how you leverage relationships with the bigger players rather than compete with them?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think there's a you know a lot of um, innovation, obviously, in the fintech space um, over the last ten years or so. But I think where we've seen you know a lot of activity is often fintechs offering services that are similar to the banks, but perhaps faster, better customer experience, lower pricing. And actually, what we set out to do is is build a solution that you know helps the whole industry or kind of the ecosystem in various ways and that can kind of be, be structured as a win-win for everyone. And so what I mean by that is that, you know, we approached um, payment networks or bank issuers with a view to sort of asking asking the question, if we were to partner together on this business model, you know, you can use us as the technology and the infrastructure to provide what we term as you know, credit card enablement. And, uh, you know, you as the, as the bank can capture more share of spend or or, you know more payment volume ultimately through your card product um, as a result of CardUp's business model because we enable payments to be made on card that were previously only made by bank transfer or cheques so take for example paying uh, rent to a landlord and so I think it was really thinking about, you know, what are we trying to achieve in our mission, but then also how does this fit in with the various players in the ecosystem and how can we structure that commercially as well to ensure that it's a win-win for all. And I think that's been very effective with us because these partners act as, you know, channel partnerships, essentially, you know, they've got access to a huge number of customers, which as a fintech starting out, is hard to get that scale unless you obviously invest a huge amount of money in, into marketing up front. Um, so they've got the scale, but we've got the innovation, the tech, and you know, the team to come and, and build these solutions. So I think that was sort of how we certainly how I was looking at it from the start.
2: Absolutely. Well I think this concept of a win win is kind of the, the golden egg for a lot of us, you know, fintechs and, and the banks, there are some exceptions, but as a general rule, banks aren't known for their kind of innovation or the commitment to innovation, although they have a commitment but not necessarily, you know, the execution side. How difficult was it to start some of these initial conversations with the banks and how did you get your foot in the door? It was
0: actually very challenging uh, initially, not, not not really on the commercial opportunities, but just um, bringing the banks on board with our business model. It was something that just to get set up, it's the, the usual, that, I mean, I've heard the story, many have texting, getting our bank accounts in place, getting agreements in place so that we can actually process payments in the way we needed to was actually the biggest challenge. And I got rejected or turned away. I, I don't even know how many times, I mean, I literally, I had left like no stone unturned in the end. Um, I've gone to so many different different banks, not not just, you know, not in this market, but, but in many, many markets, um, even over in Europe and got advice on how to um, get around this. So I think it was really perseverance in those early days. Um, and I suppose just sort of packaging up and positioning what we're doing in the right way and making sure that, you know, we had all of the controls in place to get the bank Com- that you know that we started working with comfortable that one this is an opportunity but two that it can be done in a way that's you know safe secure and compliant
2: absolutely well i think that's a very wise uh, wise play to go and leave no stone on but it sounds like you found a good partner uh, that you have now i just wanted to touch on the the concept of the marketing machine as well i know it cut up is does exceptionally well with their marketing side of things is this something you have consciously looked at or has it kind of happened organically over time as you've built the company
0: well, I would I say first off credit to um, one of my founding team members, Diana, who um, who runs all of our marketing and and uh, has done a fantastic job, and I think. Um, I think the approach that you know we took was very much uh, you know thinking about what's right for the different customer segments um, and the product the product lines that we have. You know, one of the things we realised sort of early on, particularly on the B2B business, was that um, we needed to educate the market to some extent about this. I think it's easier when you're kind of very easy to understand or a business model that you know, exists in every other market and it's perhaps easier to explain because consumers in that market can, you know, already have that mental reference point from somewhere else in the world. With Carlet, that wasn't the case. and is It isn't, isn't, still isn't the case really. And um, what we do and, and across all of our product lines, many of them are you know, are, are quite different and required a lot of explaining to the end customer. And so I think marketing was, was super important for us because we had to take more of a content sort of angle and really dial up like the thought leadership, the the content and how we explain to for example business owners or SMEs how they can benefit from using CardUp how they can start to think of their credit card as a financing tool rather than just a you know a card for for everyday expenses which is something quite different and it was a bit of a, a mental shift and so it did take us some time in the early days to get that approach right I think it's it's not as simple as just throwing out a discount offer saying you know have a free payment because if if the customer doesn't even understand what this even is, then even if it's free, they don't really have any, any interest in using it. So we really have to tailor our approach
2: according to that. Absolutely. Well, I, I'd, li- I'd like to touch a little bit on this concept. You mentioned a member of your founding team was in charge of, of the marketing, but you are, in fact, a solo founder. So, And the conventional wisdom is that founding teams are better than solo founders, but you've definitely managed to confound these expectations. Tell us a little bit about your journey as a solo founder and what you've found has worked for you in this role. I think
0: there's been a lot of like discussion and debate, and I, you know, I've spoken to many many founder friends as well on this topic, and I, I really don't think there's a right wrong approach to this. I think there are sort of pros and cons to both. And whilst I was a solo founder, I did form a, found, a founding team who are all still part of the company very early on, and you know, I was very fortunate to to link up with great people at that point where we you know really set out to build this together so I I was fortunate and particularly with for example our CTO you know to have met early on and and formed that partnership but as I said I think the pros and cons I mean the you know the advantage is that sometimes decision making I suppose can be faster because ultimately as a solo founder there are certain things that you you know you ultimately are just accountable for making a call on without a lot of necessarily having to you know if you have four or five co-founders there can often be a lot of like discussion dis- disagreements debates so um, perhaps the speed of decision making is faster in in my situation but obviously the flip side is that you know there are times when from a workload point of view or even just from a time management point of view it can get really crazy i think it's just about manageable running the business but the the times i find it very difficult is um you know doing fundraising when you're kind of fundraising and running business and that honestly can be can be very very tough and i think increasingly like as we grow i'm able to bring in people that have you know the skills and expertise in areas where you know i have gaps or it isn't isn't my skill set and to complement me and to form a more well-rounded team but obviously in the early days that's not possible you're really doing everything yourself and so that's where. I think it's the challenge comes in being, you know, being a solo founder.
2: So it sounds like one of the key ingredients to being a solo founder, um, a success as a solo founder, is really finding that strong founding team and keeping them around you. How have you managed to retain such phenomenal talent?
0: I think it's about kind of bringing people in and ensuring that they have, you know, clear ownerships of ownership of parts of the business and creating that culture where, you know, they really can, they can own it up front and, and that, you know, we have that, that way of working together where it, ideas are, recognized, um, acknowledged, sort of celebrated across the board. And I would say that kind of almost now looking back, you know, I, I would say it, it feels like whilst I did start the business technically on a lot as a solo founder on my own, you know, certainly my CTO, I would sort of feels like a co-founder in the way that the journey that we've been on together. And so I think as long as uh, people believe in the vision, you've got the right culture. Obviously, people are you know, incentivized in the right way with with stock options and so on. So they really feel that, you know, they are, they are a business owner. They are owning the business as well. Then I think, um, you know, it is possible. And I think one of the the cultural values that we have is together we're stronger and have really tried to build that culture up of collaboration and, and, and you know, teamwork to achieve kind of the greater goal.
2: Brilliant. Well, you did me- you did mention before that you were able to bring in as you as you grow, you bring in talent uh, talent that complements you and your skill set. So you you weren't a technical founder going into building card up. How did you manage to get comfortable with the tech world in general?
0: Well, I had some very basic technical background from back in my days when I was a consultant and I did some basic programming courses as well when at the time when I started the business, but I certainly didn't like even try to you know, learn to code um, because I knew that was never going to be my areas of expertise. And, and you know, I have a lot of other things I can bring to the table. So for me, it was more about just making sure that I had an understanding of the language and and importantly, the product side as well. You know, I designed the original product. And so making sure that I had a really good fundamentals in product management and could speak the language of the technical team well enough to sort of design the the requirements for the product and build that together that was like my goal and then you know bring brought in uh, you know our cto as a founding team member who does have the expertise on the technology side and really leave him to to run and advise me on the best way to do
2: that so i think yeah i think that was how, how i went about approaching it excellent so bring in good people and empower them to do exactly what they are they're good at Great strategy. Um, now, you mentioned before that when you were leaving no stone Unturned in your um, hunt for a banking partner, you did touch on Europe, and you are originally from London. So Singapore being home might seem like an odd choice, but you very much enjoyed being part of the ecosystem there. Maybe talk us through a little bit about your journey in Singapore.
0: So I came here 10 years ago. So it's a long time and um, have residency here. Um, I think when I was looking to start the business, there was a couple of reasons why I decided to stay on here. I mean, I was already here at the time, um, because of my previous job, but one was the nature of the market, which I thought was very, very well suited to card up and the idea what i mean by that is a really high credit card penetration um you know the average singaporean carries like six credit cards in their wallet and they're really savvy about how to make the most out of their credit cards so um i felt like markets like singapore and hong kong were very you know well suited for what we are doing so that was one and the second thing would really just be the the sort of movement in the market and the government push to create this fintech hub in singapore and it kind of felt like that was the timing just happened to really work because as I was thinking about setting up the business you know the government and the MAS came out with their vision of, of what they of how they wanted to set up Singapore as this fintech hub so I think it's really like the two just came together and it just felt like the right time and right place to start the business here.
2: So Nikki you've been through several rounds of, of raising investment uh, throughout CardUp's journey could you talk to us a little bit about your fundraising journey?
0: Sure. Yeah. So we've raised a few rounds initially from Singapore-based investors. Um, but I think as the business has grown, I think sort of realise the importance as well to bring in investors from different markets and overseas. I think particularly the nature of our business model definitely resonates very strongly with more sort of mature markets versus emerging kind of economies and some of the sort of fintech solutions that are cropping up to solve problems in 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 parts of Southeast Asia so when we thought when we think about our investor network and sort of who we reach out to I think it's really you know can they help us in some of the new markets we're expanding into do they have of domain knowledge and it's really been a case of I think developing that network because for me you know I came from from the industry and the, and the business background but you know I wasn't in the investment or sort of the VC space prior to that so it's really been a question of like building up that network and I think it's really a it's really an ongoing thing. I mean, I think it's like you're constantly. I think as for founders, you're constantly sort of speaking to investors and and, and making building relationships. I think that's key. So that when it does come to a funding rate round, you've got already some sort of existing contacts rather than sort of going out too kind of cold into the market. I think the importance of building those relationships is really important.
2: Excellent, great advice for anyone starting out. I think as well as to start building those networks as, as soon as possible. Um, and as solidly as possible. So what's next for Card Up? You obviously um, have started in Singapore and you are looking at regional expansion as well. Talk us through what's next. So I think there's
0: sort of two areas for us at the moment. One is regional expansion. Um, we launched in Hong Kong and, and Malaysia last year. So despite despite the COVID environment and, and lockdown, we did manage to launch two new markets, which um, which obviously was you know challenging doing it remotely, but really pleased uh, that we got there and, and we're seeing the results of that now. And the other thing, uh, is really product diversification i think there's no shortage of like opportunity to solve pain points that we uncover from our customers on a daily basis really there's so much in when it comes to inefficiency around b2b payments and what we can actually be doing to make the lives of of our customers you know better and to help fellow business owners or, or smes and so we launched you know new product lines and services uh really every quarter and um you know, some, that sort of innovation is something that is really important to us as a team and that we continue to drive so that we're not just taking the same product into new markets but we also look at how we can actually diversify and offer a much more well-rounded solution.
2: Maybe talk us a little bit through about the innovation journey at Cut Up. Is there sort of how do you how do you create these new ideas? Is there a committee or how does it work within within your walls? Uh, because launching new product every every quarter is not without its uh, challenges I would imagine
0: comes to innovation i think we get you know we get ideas all the time from customers we also get ideas internally within the team because a lot of people have domain knowledge and come from the industry so um they're also aware of you know, thing inefficiencies i, I guess i call them and in, in the payment space and so a combination of factors and i think it's also the 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 culture back to the culture again of the team that everyone is very much encouraged to challenge the status quo and also raise ideas ideas um and so, so there's really no shortage of them. I think the bigger challenge internally is staying focused and making sure that we spend our time on the right things that really drive us off.
2: Well, certainly not a bad problem to have, Nikki. Thank you very much for your time today. We really enjoyed having you on the show. And for everybody else, that's us from Voice of Fintech Asia-Pacific. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com